Before we start this episode, hey, big news for you. This is for real. The Cracked Podcast is going on tour. We're doing live shows in Chicago and in St. Paul, Minnesota this coming April. That will be Lincoln Hall, Chicago, April 11th, and Amsterdam Bar and Hall, St. Paul, Minnesota, April 12th. That's a Thursday show and then a Friday show. I'm hoping you can fit us into your spring because this is unprecedented that we get to bring the show to the Midwest, and I am really, really excited about what we'll be able to do and put on as we do it. I think it's going to be amazing. Tickets are on sale now, and they're linked in our food notes if you want to find either venue or both venues, if you're very bold. I, I would really appreciate it. It's different shows each place, so you would enjoy that, just to tell you. Either way, thank you so much for uh, supporting our pod, and hopefully we'll see you out on the road. Hey there, folks. Welcome to another episode of The Cracked Podcast, the podcast all about why being alive is more interesting than people think it is. My name is Alex Schmidt, and I'm the head of podcasting here at Cracked. I'm also known as Schmitty the Clam. I'm also known as Schmitty the Champ. And I am also, also thinking America could head into the new year with some new ideas, right? They bo- the, both those phrases have the word new in them. Seems like a slam dunk. And by new ideas, I mean old ideas that we just haven't noticed yet. Because that's our topic this week. It is great ideas America should steal from other countries. And the best part is it's like it's like a harmless crime. We're not actually taking anything, right? We're just noticing a thing and implementing it. I think steal is just more of a fun word for it. We're going to talk about a bunch of ideas today that are simple, straightforward, and already up and running in the societies of other countries. And why don't we just bring them over to America? Isn't that a fun idea? And I'm digging into that fun idea with two fantastic guests. One is Nick Weiger, who is an amazing writer, amazing comedian, and podcaster from his show Doughboys, co-hosted with Mike Mitchell. That is a show about eating places and being analytical about it in such a fun and deep-diving way. I love the way they deal with everything from my favorite fried chicken place in L.A. to the Times Square Guy Fieri restaurant. They do everything. He's all about making things as optimal as they can possibly be. And and I think that's perfect for this, where we're trying to figure out how America can just uh, run a little better with a little uh, borrowing. And my other guest is a returning guest to this show, your pal and mine, one of my favorite people, uh, just like full stop. There you go. It is Adam Todd Brown. He hosts Unpopular Opinion, runs that whole podcast network, and also does a show there called What in the World, where he and his co-host Quincy Johnson look at just international news you probably didn't even know about. So he really has his finger on the pulse of everything that is happening outside of the United States that we in particular miss because of uh, uh, the orange guy, you know, he's very distracting. These guys are so funny and so perfect for this thing that we're going to get into. I'm very glad they came globetrotting with me and it's time you heard it. So please sit back or sit in your home in Taiwan waiting to hear pleasant classical music come from your local garbage truck. I know that sounds random. We will obviously explain it. Either way, please enjoy this episode of The Cracked Podcast with Adam Todd Brown and Nick Weiger. I'll be back after we wrap up. Talk to you then. And we have a lot of different ideas here that we can look at it like, hey, why don't we implement it? And one of them is with all the U.S. states being the same in 46 U.S. states, if you win the lottery, 
your name has to be publicly released. So it has you, to be. Yeah. It's if mandated. you win the lottery, the news has to, I guess, report or the government has to report that you won the lottery. This is your name. Wow. And so then in basically every lottery, whoever wins gets hounded by friends or strangers right, right away. I actually wouldn't mind that because I'm just I'm going to be a ghost if I ever win the lottery. <laughs> like you can know you can know it was me all you want, but I have enough money for you to never find me. Right. Unless it's like <laughs> Russia coming after me or something. But other than that, you know my name. I think if I win the lottery, I could I'll end up as like a literal g -g 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 ghost because <laughs> something will befell me, whether it's someone trying to murder me to get to my millions or whether it's just some sort of accident that uh, I suffer as a result of this monkey paw wish being fulfilled. I think I will die horribly yeah. very shortly after I, I win this prize. You think it'll be like cosmic. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Right. <laughs> Like, if you know you've won, can't you set up a trust and then pass the ticket on to that trust, and then the trust claims the ticket in your name? Mm. That sounds very advanced. I, well, I, I would imagine maybe there are places you can do that, and nobody thinks of it in the in the heat of the win, you know? Right, yeah. Like if I just won the lottery, I'm not super good at thinking about finances, ironically. Right. I'm just freaking out. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the ticket was claimed by Vandalay Industries. What is that? <laughs> You've heard of yeah. that. <laughs> when, and so just about every state's that way. Meanwhile, in Europe, Australia, and New Zealand, winners have the option of announcing their win or not. And this is from, uh, it's a cracked article called Five Laws from Other Countries the USA Should Totally Steal, which is by a lot of authors, E. Reed Ross, Jordan Breeding, James Freeth, Sohaib Aslam, and V.R. Kraft. All five of them working together. Wow. Uh, wow. And they dug up that... You know, all these other places, you don't have to have your name announced. And then we'll link to it in China. They have that option. And there's sort of just a tradition that's sprung up where you do have to go and claim it in person. And so people will go in crazy costumes. Uh, yes. They'll be in like hmm. a full horse mask. Right. Or uh, one of them was Baymax from Big Hero 6. That's fun. Yeah. So people are making a point of anonymously personally claiming their lottery winnings in hilarious costumes. Uh, and then the press takes a bunch of pictures of like, that's pretty good. You great. know, Iron Man winning the lottery. Right, right. That's great. Yeah. I'd be fine if that was the law here. <laughs> you have to wear a costume if you're anonymous. Yeah, that'd yeah. be fun just to see. Someone shows up in like a Sonic the Hedgehog mascot suit and picks up a giant check and then dabs. I mean, that's that's <laughs> <Yeah>. fun. <laughs> we get a lot of that. It seems like there's a strong case for making that anonymous just for what you were saying, just like avoiding the the life ruination that, that tends to come with the, the, the lottery curse. Yeah. Um, but I think also, too, it's like – how much of people will just reveal themselves because all of a sudden they're posting an Instagram of their gold Bentley. And it's just like, wait, <laughs> yeah. what happened to the Hyundai? Where did this come from? And then right. people start to piece together who maybe who hit the, the mega millions. <laughs> I think that that would almost be the fun part about it. If you could be anonymous, then maybe I would just hang around and just act super rich. Right. But when people ask, like, no, I've just been, I've been saving, man. You know, <laughs> I saved nine months to buy this mink coat that I'm wearing. I stopped getting that Americano every day. Yeah. <laughs> I, uh, you know, I listen to all the advice you'll get from uh, the condescending Business Week articles telling yeah. millennials how they could save money. I took a Kevin O'Leary course. Yeah. <laughs> it's a Shark Tank reference. Oh. <laughs> Mr. Wonderful. Yes. <laughs> Near, nearly a, a nominee for the conservative party uh, 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 like prime ministership in Canada, right? Is that correct? Yeah. He was, they were worried 
he was going to be Canada's Trump at one point. What's well, since we're talking about Canada, uh, there's a thing they've done that we could easily do because both countries have pennies and Canada uh, apparently tried to do a thing where they tried to get back on the gold standard, which is very turn of the century of them. That's yeah. a real throwback. Yeah. Right? Didn't work. It was really hard. But in the aftermath of it, they kept a new thing they had done where they just stopped minting pennies in 2012. They were like, we're not going to make any more of them. And since then, they have saved $11 million wow. in costs of minting pennies. It's great. Yeah, I'd be fine with that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, $11 million is probably like a pittance next to the U.S. military budget or whatever. That's like how much yeah, it costs yeah. for like one non-functional torpedo. But I, I do think that, yeah, we should stop making pennies. Like, who fucking cares? Just, 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 or just move the the decimal point in our money where like a dime is now a penny, and then just yeah. like we just recenter yeah. everything because you didn't have a tenth of a cent coin in 1960. You know uh, what I mean? Like, it, like yeah. the penny has remained fixed as the smallest amount of money, but then uh, inflation has caused that to be worth less. Yeah. yeah. That would be a good idea. Because I remember reading that is isn't it zinc or there's some material there's some mineral in a penny that comes from a constituency that's powerful. Like there's something like zinc miners have a oh. have a vested interest <laughs> in making sure pennies continue to be minted because like that's their whole like source of income. <laughs> I, I don't know if it's specifically zinc. That. Yeah, that makes the most sense for why we would hold on to still doing pennies <laughs> in this country. Someone I, has to be getting rich off the penny hustle. Yeah, I, I feel bad for any kind of miner where there's no cultural thing around it. Like coal, people know what you are. They're well, they're all right. about it. A zinc miner, I don't, I don't know what that is. Yeah, yeah. what's your identity? Cool. Yeah. You know there's a still asbestos miners out there? Wow. Oh boy. Just like a make work program? Just like go out there and get asbestos? <laughs> Can Well, actually speaking of Canada, Canada still exports asbestos to whatever country will still have it. And we they think have, they're so nice, you know? Yeah. Right. Look at yeah. that. They're just trying to get it out of Canada. They're right. just trying to de-asbestos the whole country. And also they uh, have estimated that based on if Canada saved $11 million, mm. they're much smaller than we are, right? right? The U.S. would probably save about 46 Okay. If we did that. But like you say, Nick, it's also, what, two torpedoes or something yeah. compared to the military budget. We could also make Trump pay his taxes and we'd get like 10 what? times that <laughs> in revenue. That would be cool. <laughs> With this scale of fix, I feel like a lot of what we're looking at today is stuff that's a good idea, but also it's not like a front burner thing in anybody's mind because it doesn't right. fix the whole world or sure. something. Yeah. I, are we like missing a way to do small things? I feel like we're only fixated on enormous fixes to enormous problems. What if we make it an enormous fix and not just stop minting pennies, but also confiscate all pennies on the streets? <laughs> Like a test right. run for guns, maybe. Like maybe we're going to have to <laughs> confiscate guns at some point. Yeah. So or, we go into the community with forces. That's going to create jobs. And then you just go door to door <laughs> taking pennies by force. And then we're ready for the gun problem next. Right. <laughs> or gas cars, which will probably have to yep. be seized at some point. Right. I don't think anyone would be suspicious of some sort of government roundup force. I think if you <laughs> deployed shock troops to the suburbs to go door to door to take things from people, yeah. I think they'd take it in stride. <laughs> this is America. Right. We're an understanding nation. <laughs> Looking at money. And also, uh, very excited to have Nick from uh, the show Doughboys, the definitive show about fast foods. Oh, God bless uh, you for saying that. It's great. Um, and we uh, can look at the country of Denmark here, which we have a, a lot to say about. But they allowed fast food workers to unionize. 
which uh, is something that like I had never really thought about that fast food workers here just can't. Like they just aren't allowed to form a union and bargain right. with uh, McDonald's and every other restaurant. And since they formed uh, or joined a union in Denmark called 3F, they were able to negotiate a $20 an hour minimum wage. And that was in 2014 when the average uh, U.S. fast food worker got eight ninety an hour. They just set it up uh, not through any like government minimum wage or anything. They just bargained it. And what a good idea. We could just set that up. Yeah, I mean, organizing labor, it improves conditions for the workers. I mean, there's no real ethical way to consume fast food, which I love, unfortunately, because all these companies are monstrous. They are all (laughs) evil companies run by evil men. And, you know, by spending your money at one of these businesses, you're complicit in all the abuses that go all the way down the supply chain from, you know, the the horrors that are inflicted upon the environment from commercial fishing to the, uh, uh, the animal welfare abuses and the the uh, labor issues with the agricultural sector and all the factory farming that's going on to, you know, the the treatment of workers within the food service industry itself. I mean, there's just like there's no way to, to, to spend your money at one of these places ethically, unfortunately. So for that reason, it's definitely in the interest of these workers to unionize. It's 100 percent in their interest to like, you know, band together yeah. and have the ability to to collectively bargain to be paid fairly, because if you live in America, you have have to eat at restaurants and you have to get food to go. It's, it's almost impossible to live as someone who's who's working, you know, as someone who has a job. It's almost impossible to just prepare your own food. You have to get prepared food at some point to just sustain yourself. And so you're reliant on these people. These serve these food service workers are a key part of the economy. They deserve to be treated with respect and compensated fairly. Yeah, yeah. It's not even that, oh, Denmark allows this and we don't. We allow it. Right. Like, uh, there probably is a fast food workers union. It's just a a matter of each individual franchise owner letting their workers do it. Or, right. like, I imagine there's some, uh, I imagine the reaction to that would be, uh, oh, our workers want to unionize. I imagine McDonald's probably sends people there to talk them out of it at that point. Yeah. In some way. It's, you know, it's a very difficult sector to unionize because it's just the the workers are viewed as so disposable by management. So right. if anyone is going to create, it's the same thing you, you run into at big box stores, Walmart most famously, where just like anyone who's going to try to organize is going to be shown the door very quickly. That disposability of workers like that, I think it's the same thing that lends itself to all of the sexual harassment that is so pervasive in right. fast food. And yeah. those are all things that could be addressed if we would just let people unionize. And we don't. Yeah, because Adam, you've podcasted about, uh, especially at McDonald's, just an yeah. entire harassment scandal that's been unfolding. There was a nationwide yeah. strike. I mean, it was only 10 cities, but it was McDonald's workers during the lunch rush walked out of their stores in wow. 10 different cities to protest this climate of sexual abuse and harassment at McDonald's. And it got, I mean, for obvious reasons, there's some like McDonald's spread so much advertising money around. People are going to be hesitant to jump on that as the huge story that it was. It was the first uh, strike in the Me Too era that was directed at one corporation. That's such a huge story. Right. And yeah, if you bring yeah. it up to most people, they're like, I've never 
heard of this in my life. And that's like, that's what those workers are facing. Yeah. Like, I have a, I have a whole podcast about chain restaurants and I'm only vaguely recalling this as you're saying that I, yeah. I, remember, I, remember, I was like, <laughs> Oh yeah, I'd forgotten that that was a thing in general. No one really cared or paid attention to it. And that's insane. Like the, that's what's interesting about McDonald's. They're like, they're the head of everything when it comes to fast food. And they're usually on like, the forefront of oh, changing things. Like they're the cutting edge of everything like, going on. Yeah. When people were like, hey, stop crushing up animal bones and putting them in our meat. McDonald's was the first one to be like, fine. Right. We'll start using <laughs> real meat, you prudes. Yeah. The switch from uh, the switch from beef tallow to a vegetable oil yeah. for deep frying. That was a McDonald's thing that they pioneered for better or worse. Styrofoam oh, wow. cups. They were the first one to be like, all right, we'll stop using styrofoam if it's bad. So if McDonald's would just be like, like, all right, yeah, we're going to step in and fix the sexual harassment thing. All the other fast food places that you know it's happening at would probably follow suit. So yeah. it's it's the kind of thing that it's really unfortunate that it didn't get more press than it did. McDonald's yeah, also the first to have a, a mayor associated with the brand, Mayor McCheese, <laughs> as you know, a lot, right, of, a, lot of right, other right. a lot of other chains followed suit after that. Well, you get that big, you want to get into politics. Yeah. <laughs> mayor McCheese really should do something about this ongoing scandal at McDonald's. I mean, his regime, I feel like, is hanging by a thread. Yeah. <laughs> When you when you said McDonald's is cutting edge, the first thing I thought of was, oh, they were the first place I saw those kiosk thingies yeah. to order my food. It's like a big public but, smartphone screen, right? <laughs> which is the nastiest surface on planet Earth. Yeah, oh, no. that's true. <laughs> it's also just such a clear like surrogate for the worker. It's such like right. like we are we are trying to replace you one step at a time. We are trying to remove as many reasons we have to have human labor here as as possible. It's kind of ominous in that regard. I did I would did go to a McDonald's when they had installed the touchscreens this was up in Reseda, California, yeah. and it was like so clearly an inefficiency because people were struggling with the touchscreen so much that they had to have two workers standing next to the touchscreens <laughs> helping yeah. people with them. And it was just like, you know, like there was like an elderly guy in front of me and like he just if he could just tell you what he wants and you were behind right. the register, this would be a more efficient <laughs> transaction right. But because you want to eliminate a worker so you can save a little bit of, you know, a fraction of a percent of your of your labor costs. You're installing this big electronic abomination that you're forcing people to learn how to use. And then now you have to have some a worker go to help someone through it anyway. What a shitty day at work, too. Like, I know, right? Oh, how was it? Oh, well, I, I helped people learn to not use me I taught the, I taught <laughs> the, That's what I did. I taught the elderly to use iPads all day. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's a robot version of me. I, I help people get used to it. Uh, anyway. I trained my replacement. Oh, boy. <laughs> In the case of a place like Denmark, as they were doing their fast food uh, union negotiation, they didn't need to touch the idea of healthcare really because that country has universal healthcare right yeah and that also meant everybody could get that wage whether they were part-time or full-time because <coughs> uh, they weren't doing a thing that happens here a lot where they right. like work people 39 hours a week so they don't get health care it's just not yeah. a, an issue they could just work it out and be done denmark and places like that they, they get a lot of things right but like especially in the case of denmark it's always like you'll see like a a Facebook video where people are like, here's what Denmark does with healthcare. Why can't the United States be more like Denmark? Denmark is a right wing nightmare and that government deserves <laughs> to burn. Oh, boy. They are right now. One of the things they're doing, and this is kind of similar to the United States, or at least we'll get there. 
They are uh, any unwanted migrants who come to Denmark. Uh, basically, if you're seeking asylum and you have like an arrest on your record or something and you can't be sent back home, they're sending people to an island that is currently used to do research on contagious animal diseases. Jesus Christ. And there is a crematorium on the island, so that's comforting. <laughs> and they're, the the ferry that they're using to shuttle people back and forth to the island is called the virus. And all of this is a part of their stated government program or government policy to discourage immigration by making the lives of immigrants as difficult as possible. Yikes. Like there's yeah. a quote from their immigration minister. She literally says they are not wanted here and they will feel that. So yeah, that's they get cool. healthcare, right? God. But they, <laughs> yeah. And that's, I, I feel like that's also an example of like how many different ways a country can be all at once. Yeah. You know? Like right. I, before we were doing this right now, I was having lunch with a friend that mentioned what we were going to talk about. And my friend was like, oh, so you're just going to talk about like Scandinavian countries, right? Like that's going to be the whole thing. And I said, well, we'll talk about some, but also like there are countries like this where they are really good at some things and really bad at yeah. others. One thing I remember learning and being surprised by is I feel like occasionally I'll hear, hear older people kind of say a trope of like, ah, everything's made in China and or Taiwan and or other places, never made in the U.S. And then I learned that well, like a lot of U.S. manufacturing is now giant stuff. Like we'll make a passenger jet, but you don't notice the mm, like made right. in the USA tag on it because it's a passenger jet. You know? Right. They could make the tag so much bigger, though. <laughs> that would go a long way. I think that would restore national pride. Yeah. You just you went to the airport and every every Delta plane had a made in the USA sticker on it. Well, since I mentioned Taiwan, there's a fascinating thing in Taiwan where they have a completely different garbage pickup system than we do. And I think that's very exciting. Like, mm. I, I assume garbage pickup has pretty much been the same for, I don't know, 500 years in the US, thousand. And yeah. it's just a truck comes by and gets it. That's it. 500 to 1,000 years? Yeah, I'm going to go with those numbers, yeah. <laughs> All right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Starting to question your knowledge of history and world events. But please continue. There were garbage yeah. trucks depicted in hieroglyphics, <laughs> if I recall correctly. What do they do with their garbage? The system is, it's not just an advancing cost, but it, it's a free system except for bags. And so how it works mm. is you have to buy trash bags from the government and then uh, the trucks will only take those government bags. But every other part of the system is free and that's just how they manage costs. So you pay less if you have less trash. And you, oh, and interesting. So people, like, you know, compost and recycle and things like that. People also bring their trash to the truck and the truck plays nice classical music when it's coming, like an ice cream truck. That's fun. <laughs> so you hear- I like all of that. Yeah, that's yeah. great. They play Fur Elise by Beethoven- and then uh, you hear that coming on the street and you're like, oh, it's trash time. And you bring it out. And so then, if, yeah. if you if you gather trash in Taiwan, you have to listen to Fur Elise by Beethoven every day, all day. Yeah, it, this is a this is mostly drawn on. A, it's a podcast called 99% Invisible that did a whole episode about this. But it's either Fur Elise or a song called A Maiden's Prayer by Tekla Barajuska Baranowska, which I don't really know. But one of those two pretty classical songs, if you hear that coming, you you run out and, and dump your trash in there. Uh, recycling is free as long as you just sort it. And uh, it, apparently it started in the 1980s because Taiwan was just had a growing trash problem. Right. It's a small island, a lot of people. 
lot of trouble from mainland China. And so they they were like, we need to ramp up our trash collection into something nice. Otherwise, uh, our island is going to be uh, all messy. Got to Right. It. And it's a way like you were saying, it's a way to control costs by more directly making yeah. the individual feel how much they're spending on on their own trash collection. Yeah, because that to me, I do not I do not at all feel the cost of the garbage collection. It's just a thing that happens. Right. It is 100 percent right. a thing I take for granted. I have no idea where the money comes from. I yeah. just know that it happens. And I, I put stuff in the dumpster in the alley behind our apartment and it gets picked up uh, once once or twice a week. That's that's it for me. Yeah, uh, it's I, essentially I, magic. Yeah, yeah. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> I've had to pay for garbage collection before and it's like it feels not right. What was a what was the <laughs> process for that? Like was it through via homeowners tasks or something or what was it? Well, yeah, I lived in South Dakota at the time and lived in a a house that I co-owned. Okay. And so you had to just figure out your own garbage service. So I had to like weigh my options and there's like little mom and pop type things. That's what I ended up oh. going with, just a dude who has like a regular sized truck that he outfitted to fit enough garbage in the back. And I ended up going with someone like that. And it was like 12 bucks a month. So it's like semi-privatized. It's like you're picking your auto insurance. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. yeah. I didn't I'm, know that was like that in parts of the country. I'm imagining like a Mr. Plow type situation. Right. Too. Like that's, <laughs> yeah. it's just a guy with, who's like, I'm, I'm the trash now. I do it. Yeah. Yeah. It was absolutely <laughs> that. And he was great. He would pull all the way up and I had a long driveway. He would pull all the way up and just grab the stuff instead of me having to put it out on the street. That's awesome. There's gonna, we're gonna, at some point, that system is just going to turn nationwide and it's going to be like app based. It's gonna be like Uber. And then that'll be like everyone's yeah. side hustle. Like, I'll be doing that. I'll like have my <laughs> podcast. And then I'll also be driving an SUV around picking up people's trash for like $11 a month. Well, because also, like, I feel like there's certain costs like trash electricity where, especially if I was unemployed or if I had a lot of time, like I would super take the opportunity to get the cost of that down, right. you know? And, and in Taiwan, they have the opportunity where it's like, Hey, if I have time, I'll do the equivalent of like clipping coupons by doing, by having much less trash or building a compost thing or something. Finding a way to make it where it's by volume, like the, you're paying for the amount of trash you're producing by volume, I think is very, very smart. Yeah. Like it seems like a smart policy. If you can, if there's an efficient way to do it, that would 100% disincentive incentivize me from wasting so much. Like, I feel like I definitely would reuse containers. I would like not, I would not use as many paper towels. I would definitely be conscious of how much waste I would, I was producing, even if it was just to save like $4 a month. Cause I'd be like, well, fuck, I don't want to spend another $4 to put another trash bag at the corner. Yeah. You know? Yeah. You'd feel it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And that's actually part of it. When you pay for your own garbage, they, the, at least the way it worked when I did it, they sent you one of those big plastic bins, like everyone like so many people in LA have, they send you one. Right. And if you have more garbage than will fit in that, then they charge you extra. Wow. Yeah. It's a cap. It's a physical cap on it. That's great. Yeah, yeah. that's great. <laughs> There's also, it was one specific episode of Mad Men and it felt like they were doing like a joke all of a sudden because they were having like a family picnic. And then Don, it's like, okay, time to leave the picnic. And Don just picks up the blanket and heaves and throws all of their trash into like the field they were in. And like <laughs> he finishes his beer can and throws it like a quarterback just as far as he can. Right. And it's, it's sort of like the actual joke in Anchorman where they're just littering. But I, I feel like 
we've come a long way in terms of how we think about trash and we can go further. We it, can do it. It yeah. is like, and you know, cause I was born in 1980 and I remember in my youth, there was just more litter around. There was just more trash and there was also more anti litter advocacy. You'd see just like, there was more like public awareness of like, stop littering. Cause I think that was just, there was like a 20 to 30 year period where the, the basically paralleling with drunk driving too. They were just like making people aware, oh, yeah. aware of like, Hey, this is a right. thing that people do that you should not do. And so, yeah, I think it did make people more conscious of it. And, is it didn't wasn't don't mess with Texas? Wasn't that originally an, an anti littering campaign? Yeah, it always it seems like just such a thing of bravado of like, hey man, don't mess with Texas. It was originally like more of a lighter, like, hey, don't mess with Texas. You know, yeah. Here's something that's kind of a flip of this in terms of it being like something you can manage and work down in Finland. And this is from an article: Five laws foreign countries got right that we need in America by Polly Puisuo. In the country of Finland, they have speeding tickets based on your income. Mm. And so there have been times when a very rich person, one case here was going 45 and a 30, and they were a Nokia executive, like the number two person at Nokia. So they paid $103,000. Wow. In the U.S. I love it. Yeah, that's, that's so fair. Implement it yesterday. That's great. <laughs> tie it to income or tie it to the value of the car you're driving. Either way, that sounds yeah. dynamite. Yeah. And people hear that and think, oh, well, that's that's so much money. But for if you're poor... $400 is a lot of money. Right. Like that yeah. could be the difference between whether you pay rent. And or maybe not. you're speeding to your fast food job where you have to endure sexual harassment, but you have to right. work it because right. you have a family to take care of. You know what I mean? It's it's like yeah. there there could maybe there was some sort of reason that and now you're getting this the all these these just gut punches of life where they're just like they're just adding up. And meanwhile, you know, some asshole who some fucking billionaire's son is cruising in his Maserati doing, you know, a hundred miles per hour on the 405 and he but it he doesn't bat an eye for this fucking, yeah. this fucking ticket. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That's that makes so much sense. <laughs> yeah. I love it. I love that so much. Do it for parking tickets, too. And they're really they're really applying it to everyone. One of the people that this says it was applied to is hockey great Timu Salani of the Anaheim Ducks. Wow. Timu. Uh, he paid 39 grand for a speeding ticket. Suck because, it, Salani. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But like I could see a Finnish police officer being like, man, Timo Solani is so cool. He's the best Finnish hockey player ever. Right. I can't do that. But they yeah. did it. They just got him. That's great. I love it. It's one of those things that can turn into corruption too. the disparity between what paying a set fine is for a rich person compared to a poor person. There have been towns. I don't remember what city it was. It was in the Midwest. But the police force there was basically accused of using fines and impoundment to steal cars from people. Wow. And oh, resell man. them. Like they would <laughs> they would, you know, write someone a ticket knowing that person probably wasn't going to be able to pay that ticket and that they'd eventually be able to impound that car. When you're able to break someone financially just in the course of doing your job, there's a lot of room to be corrupt while you're doing that. And I think that ha that happens a lot here. It should be a sliding scale of some sort when it comes to Fines and penalties. Progressive fines for traffic offenses. I love it. That should be a ballot initiative. Let's let's fucking vote on that. Yeah. Let's implement that. Why not? <laughs> we've also we've got a thing, uh, and, and it is another Scandinavian thing, but in Sweden they did a thing where they had one traffic camera they tested this with that uh, or the camera based thing where it sees your speeding and sends you a ticket electronically. They had the camera just also bother to check who was under the speed limit mm. and record that too. And then they created a lottery 
where random people who were under the speed limit got to win the fine money of oh, the that's people fun. who were speeding. Oh, wow. So now, there was a reward for not speeding. When they, not? when they won this lottery, did they have to show up in disguise in a mascot suit yeah. of some kind? <laughs> <laughs> Just a series of Batmans collecting right, right. their like $30 checks. Yeah. <laughs> I like that positive reinforcement for good behavior. Why not? Yeah. And they found it uh, this one spot, it dropped people's average speeds from 32 kilometers per hour to 25, which is noticeable. Yeah. That's yeah. actually a, a better road. Yeah. And then you're going to burn less gas. That's going to save money because yeah, you're yeah. driving slower. We also, this is, uh, since we were talking about the police before, I feel like, especially in the U.S., we only deal with the police in, in bad situations. Like, oh, they're, e- they're either helping us with something that happened to us or they're, they're cracking down on us for something. In Cuba, they have a thing where government vehicles, including police cars, are required to help hitchhikers. Mm. So anytime, if they see a hitchhiker around and they're not urgently in the middle of something, they have to pick them up and take them to the next spot. It's a product of when the USSR collapsed and then they didn't have oil from Russia. So they were they had less vehicles and stuff. But there's a huge hitchhiking culture in Cuba. And then the police like just get random people around as a thing. Wow. Yeah. I worry in the U.S. that that's going to lead to people being detained under the pretense of like, I thought he was hitchhiking. You know, like, I don't know just what we know of the police here. And, and yeah, I could see that being a, a another avenue for some sort yeah. of abuse. I guess just like when I see friendly encounters with with police in the U.S., so much of it involves trickery. So much of it involves like, 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 <laughs> well, look at this video. We pulled someone over and they thought they were getting arrested. And then we gave them an ice cream cone. And I'm just like, you just scared yeah. the shit out of somebody. <laughs> yeah. Why would you do that? That's not a nice thing to do. They're That's probably like, late for work now. Exactly. And, and this this is just a way for you to like to show your dominance over somebody and then release like, 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 ha ha. We made you tense, but then we released that tension. Ha, but we can do this to you. So, you know, and this is from people <laughs> wearing body cams. Like, right, you could right. just be nice in the course of your day and turn your body cam on and be like, huh? See how I didn't shoot this person? (laughs) Yeah, it doesn't have to be something for social media. Yeah. (laughs) If it improves uh, civilian police relations in Cuba, if if it's shown to do that, then yeah, maybe it's it's worth a shot. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Well, that and we'll we'll link this article about it. It, it describes also a situation where they need less uh, public transit and buses mm. because people will just hop a ride in, and not just police cars, like random government trucks right. or whatever, too. And I could also imagine it cutting down on Uber and Lyft's grip on right. stuff because, like, yeah, uh, you could just like catch a cop car down the the way for that couple minute ride, right? In a perfect world, yeah. Yeah, I yeah. mean, I just I wonder, like, is that a situation where you 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 stick your thumb out and a cop car pulls over and now you're sharing a backseat with a frothing meth head in cuffs? <laughs> <laughs> just a hellish ride as you're trying to get to Target. Oh, that's not good. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that kind of ties into the what's happening in France now with the gas hikes. I feel like in this country, we sort of underestimate what it's like trying to get to work for some people in the world. Like here, I know, like I've known people who would live like an hour away from their job and they commute, but in places like France and, and in Cuba also, like you might be living on the side of a mountain and need to get into work that day and just getting to a bus is going to be impossible. So you have to have a car or something beyond public transportation. When unrest breaks out, a lot of times it is over, transportation costs. Right. A lot of what happened in Venezuela before this administration, the 
the regime we want to put back in power, which also destroyed Venezuela, but they were beholden to our business interests. One of the things that undid them was rising transportation costs that led to this gigantic riot where people were coming down from these mountain communities. And then people who lived in cities were like, yeah, they have a point. It should be a little cheaper for them to get down here and work. And it just turned into this massive unrest that kind of led to Chavez getting elected a few mm-hmm. years later. What, whatever you can do to get transportation costs down for people in smaller countries is always a good idea. Such as Cuba and and even parts of here. Yeah, like right. I even uh, there will be uh, before I was saying that all the states are the same. But when I'm here and I see like bottle distributors, it's usually an enormous Coca-Cola truck or beer company truck. And then in parts of Iowa I've been in, they will just hire people to use their own personal car to drop off the few bottles they need dropped off at the few rural wow. places. Oh, nice. Because it's just the scale is so much different and right. there aren't that many trucks around. Like they just work it out that way. There's right. lots of little things we could do like that. Yeah. yeah. Just a fun idea. Yeah. There's uh, <laughs> more than enough soda distribution to go around. Yeah, yeah. But some people do it on their own. Let's look at it. Let's look at Estonia. What a fun country. It's in the Baltic. I and am part Estonian. Oh, wow. My great grandparents, Morton T. Weiger immigrated here in the early 20th century from Estonia. I was going to ask if Weiger is Estonian. It is. It's an Estonian name. Oh. Yeah. Well, yeah, I don't know a ton about it other than that they have set up national Wi-Fi in Estonia. There are hotspots everywhere, and so then just everyone has internet access. And it's crazy fast, too. Yeah. And it's probably partly because they thought it was a really good idea and partly because they don't have companies, like, throttling everyone's data. How about that? What a good way to go. Yeah. That's a thing we need here. But like Trump suggested it not too long ago. He was like, hey, we should build a five, like a national 5G network. And people were like, no, not Trump. But we absolutely, (laughs) absolutely need it. And the reason Estonia is able to do it, when you think of Europe, it's kind of like the United States of Europe. Like there are a bunch of small countries that are just on one continent, whereas the United States, we're just states. But we're one big country. In Chattanooga, Tennessee, they actually set something like that up where they as a city were like, look, we don't have good enough Internet to attract companies to bring workers here. So we're just going to build our own super fast Internet. And they did that. And it was a huge success. And then AT&T stepped in and was like, wait, no, we can't just let communities put up their own Internet because then we won't be able to spread our Internet throughout the the nation and they lobbied really hard to keep Chattanooga from being able to expand that network and they managed to kill that expansion so we have one wow. little pocket of Estonia type internet in the United States which is in Chattanooga Tennessee and everywhere else it's it has to be Comcast Verizon you know, one of the big companies you have to let them if you're building in your own internet in your own city or town you have to let one of those big companies be involved in some way yeah god america sucks it really <laughs> does country just what? we have we prioritize enriching telecom yep. over giving <laughs> the internet to everyone 100 percent what it is yeah i feel like if, of all the things everybody could agree on we're the most in agreement on everyone wants better internet service right all the time yeah. Like I remember yeah. Adam and I, we went to Kansas City once and I think they were either starting to get Google Fiber or there was a rumor it was coming. Yeah. And everybody was freaking out. Right. It was like the greatest thing that had happened to their city. Yeah. I think they do yeah. have it now. Oh, man. Yeah. And it 
by all accounts, is amazing. It feels yeah. like the kind of thing of you, if you're just like, hey, we'll do, let's do nationwide Wi-Fi, free Wi-Fi provided by the government. That feels like the kind of thing that would pull at like 85%. Yeah. And then like, and the 15% <laughs> would be like, 12% would be like, not sure. Yeah. And then there'd be like 3% <laughs> opposed. But just like, but the, the the people that actually are opposed are the people in power because it makes them all their money. Yeah. You know, it, it, yeah, that, that fucking sucks. It God. Would, it would be people in power or people who would be concerned that the government would be spying on us through that internet and it's like right the government's doing that now yeah for Take sure oh, yeah. for sure well and uh, and as far as the impetus for estonia putting up wi-fi everywhere apparently they started to really really push for as much of the country to have good internet as possible uh, after they got to leave the soviet union mm. you know, yeah, that, you know yeah. that that famously benevolent country right and uh, <laughs> and so then it, i would imagine they had kind of a unifying ideal of we just don't want them to roll in and conquer us again how can we be as strong and healthy of a country as possible right and then they decided to put uh, internet as many places as they could. This article will link uh, a man named Tomas Hendrik Ilves led a campaign to wire schools. And by 1997, 97% of Estonian schools had internet. Amazing. And then from Jeez. there, they truly have put Wi-Fi hotspots everywhere. Reportedly, you can get Wi-Fi in forests. Like you will just look for the network yeah, and it works it's everywhere. and it's fine. And they have paperless cabinet meetings now. You can vote on your laptop. You can sign documents with your smartphone. And uh, 94% of tax returns are done online in Estonia because they've just fully wired the country in a way where you're not coughing up money all the time for it. And you can just get it. It's great. Maybe yeah. we'll move back. It feels like maybe yeah. <laughs> maybe that's where my, my home should be. <laughs> just going to immigrate to Estonia. Oh, no. <laughs> Undo what Morton Tew did generations prior. <laughs> Yeah, friends of yours here come to me like what did you do yeah, yeah. <laughs> Estonia is just like oh no the Weigers are back <laughs> we thought we got rid of them <laughs> this one sucks he has a podcast about fast food <laughs> there's a uh, looking back at that at that article with with many parents uh five authors there's one uh thing they picked out about celebrity endorsements in multiple countries that all happen to be in Asia you know, here, I feel like celebrities can just endorse a thing or Gwyneth Paltrow can just build a website of whatever she'd like. And, and it just skates on by, you know, right. no problem. In, uh, in India in particular, they made a law in 2016 where if a celebrity endorses a product and it's found to be, you know, dangerous, faulty, fraudulent, etc., the celebrity will be summoned to court and have to pay an enormous fine for backing that product. Then there's a similar law in China where if that kind of thing happens, the celebrity gets a three-year ban wow. on sponsoring anything in China. They just don't get to do it for a while. Wow. So yeah. you're, you're saying if that was the case here, then Ja Rule would right now be doing a hard time for being responsible for the fire Festival? <laughs> <laughs> be in prison for like 10 years? Yeah. That's I crazy. Mean, Legitimately crazy. No one is right. No one's doing time for that. I think. Oh no, the founder. I yeah. think went to. Oh, I think okay. one rich guy involved is is suffering some consequences. All right. That it feels like you know yeah if you could if you get people to stop endorsing uh, uh shitty products and make sure that you know they they really like believe in what they're doing in the way that I know George Foreman believes in that grill. Like I, I right, believe that yeah. he actually is like a pa is passionate about that. I want that degree of endorsement from all my celebrities. Yeah, yeah. I wonder how far they take it though. Like if there's like if you're endorsing a car and there's a product recall. Yeah. And they're like, hey, why did you endorse that car with the faulty seat belt? Like, right. Eh, no. 
Yeah, the, the I'm article, sure they don't take it that far. <laughs> yeah, probably not. I mean, yeah, the article describes celebrities starting to, to like hire people to do due diligence for them. Like they're still not like, you know, in a laboratory yeah. personally or something working on this. <laughs> uh, but it seems like they have to go at le- they have to at least be able to prove that they tried, you know, right. and either used it a lot or had a had a, a flunky of some kind. Go check it out, you know. Right. But it, you'd know, like, if you were watching, like, some late night cable ad with Frank Thomas for a oh, retired major leaguer for boner medication, <laughs> some sort yeah. of supplement that male su- enhancement supplement, you would know that that be- that probably works because other that guy's putting his uh, his, <laughs> right. his money on the line. That guy might go to prison if, if this is just a, a bunch of sand in a capsule. There's also, we're talking about a lot of laws for humans, you know, that tends Mm. to be who they're about. And the country of Bolivia has what's called the Law of Mother Earth. It is Bolivian Law 071, but it's, uh, I don't know how much it's used in practice, but it essentially just gives legal rights to the environment. And they just put that into their legal system. Huh. Yeah, which I which I think is a great idea because this uh, this article by Polly Puiso picks out that it would allow you to use a lot of U.S. Republican style logic and arguments right. for protecting the environment. As yeah. soon as you make it a person, it, it can do anything it wants and own guns and so on. Why know? not? <laughs> yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah, the, the the earth needs a bazooka. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm on board. I mean, like you know, if 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 Northrop Grunman is a person, then then why can't yeah. the earth be a person? Exactly. Let's do it. Yeah. We've ruled in court that corporations have the same rights as people. It tracks that the environment <laughs> should too. That feels like the like the exact like the flip side of that coin. Like it, right. it almost should be. It should be that way. I also like it too because it feels like the kind of thing that would like. It's almost like a preemptive troll of like a Sean Hannity or something like that. That it's almost like you would see like some right wing pundit be like 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 oh what's next? Liberals are going to say that the Earth is a person. And just like yeah, it fucking <laughs> is. Yeah, deal with that. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, how how often do those guys bring up pretty good ideas? Right. Like how often does that happen when they're <laughs> yeah. when they're making fun of a, a small idea? It's, yeah, what? It's some of the time. Is food a human right? Uh, yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. Yeah, I think it should be. <laughs> I think people should get food. <laughs> and, uh, and and then with all these kinds of small laws or big laws, like how do we get people's minds focused on them for more than a second? You know, mm-hmm. like how to I feel like it's hard to build, especially with just two parties, build a constituency around anything novel or unique, you know, isn't but I don't know how we do it. Isn't so much of it just repeating the same thing? Like, I honestly think like you just get yeah. stuff in people's head by just repeating it. Like for like, I feel like I just heard you just heard Medicare for all said as Medicare for all so many times over the course of three years and that was almost enough like that in and of itself, that repetition is almost enough to build a consensus for. It. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah. I, I don't know. I, I do think there's something to just repeatedly putting things in people's brains that they maybe hadn't previously thought about, especially because so many people just don't think about politics all that much because they got better things to do. They got other stuff going on. True. So I, yeah. I, I don't know. I'm a big fan of just repeating something in a, in a memorable way. Medicare for all is a good example, because I think what what you need to do and why. So many Scandinavian countries are able to like tinker with social programs and try all these new things is they've taken care of the big stuff like right. health care, oh, yeah. tuition. So if you're not burdened with health care and student loans, then you can start like toying around with other ways to benefit 
your citizens. Like, I think it's Norway tried a, uh, like a version of universal basic income at one point. And they, they did it for a couple years and then discontinued the program. And people were like, see, they tried it and it didn't work. And no, what it actually is, is Norway, they have everything else figured out. So they just all the time are experimenting with universal basic income. And well, maybe if we try giving people free money this way, it'll work. And they'll do that for a couple of years and then try something else. And it came up that one time when they discontinued the program and people seized on that. Like, see, it's never going to never going to happen. Didn't work there. But no, that's because they've fixed all the other stuff that now they can start looking into things like that. Yeah. Like they have the bandwidth to experiment. Right. Yeah. Yeah, there's one, there's a little one here, which is that in Barbados and Jamaica, you're not allowed to wear camouflage clothing unless you're actually in a military or some kind of security force or something. And the rationale is you're sort of impersonating an officer if you're, if you're mm. wearing camo. Oh, yeah. Uh, that's a very, very, very small problem to deal with. Yeah. But I guess they like have the room, you know, good for them. They're, yeah. not, they're not actively in three wars or something. They can just work it on. Wait, where is this? Uh, Barbados and Jamaica. Yeah. I guess they're not in any wars. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know enough about their domestic political situations yeah. to comment, really. Uh, but I, that, that does feel like pretty far down the list of priorities. Yeah, yeah. Like it's a law against a certain kind of shorts. You know? Right. Like, uh, great. Yeah. Yeah. I think they they just outlaw those uh, those camouflage uh, San Antonio Spurs uniforms they they wear mm. sometimes. Man, those are ugly. <laughs> yeah. Get a different alt for your jersey. <laughs> yeah. I think pretty much every military-themed sports jersey is a total fucking debacle. Yeah. I wish we would yeah. just... I feel like pretty we should displeasing. cut ties between the military and sports. Especially football games is such just like you've got the color guard coming out for, you know, you've got what representative from each of the each branch of the armed forces. And then you've got a salute to a a Navy SEAL at at, at one of the quarter breaks and then you've got to fly (laughs) over from the Blue Angels. Yeah, there's just like so much military and there's like money like money's being exchanged. Right. Like, isn't the U.S. military paying the NFL to do this? They pay them. So it is kind of crazy that these are just such such celebrations of it's basically like a weekly military parade you're seeing televised. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's weird. With with things being political, guns. Oh, what a freaky thing, right? But um, uh, the country of Germany is one where they have a very specific set of gun laws where you are definitely allowed to have a gun, but there's really, really strict licensing and registration. And they also have laws about storing guns and will random inspect your house to make sure you're doing it right. They have uh, the amendment we like to have, but also it's a completely like controlled and regulated thing. And it brought deaths way down. Mm. How about that? What an idea. Imagine. America is so different than every other place when it comes to guns. Like the best gun law you can have is don't be close to the United States. (laughs) Because in Mexico, there are very few gun stores in Mexico. It's very hard to get a gun in Mexico. But we traffic illegal guns into Mexico. Right. Mm. And that's like 90% of Mexico's guns come from the United States. Here, it's going to have to be, we're either going to have to put up with guns or it's going to have to be a mass confiscation kind of thing. Because you can enact gun laws, like the the example is always Chicago. People are like, well, why Chicago has the, the strictest gun laws and they have the most murders. Yeah, but neighboring Indiana... Yeah. has the most lax gun laws and the guns that get to Chicago come from Indiana. 
where there's a, a comedian who does my podcast all the time named Olivia Hydar, who described driving from Indiana to Illinois pretty perfectly, where Indiana, it's gun store, gun store, gun store, cross the border, cigarette store, cigarette store, cigarette store. <laughs> and they just kind of, like, if you want cheap cigarettes, you drive into Illinois. If you want cheap guns, you drive into Indiana, and you can get around your respective laws that way. Maybe we need to shut down the borders between states. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I, I like that idea. Yeah, just expand Lake Michigan stuff yeah. a lot, you know? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. What are you doing for Christmas? Hoping to go home and see my family. Haven't been there in 25 years. <laughs> don't let us leave California anymore. <laughs> Folks, that is the episode for this week. My thanks to Adam Todd Brown and Nick Weiger for making me more confident that a more pleasant United States, not perfect, you know, just, just like a little chiller, uh, it's just a few easy ideas away and let's make it happen. And in our food notes, you will find Adam Todd Brown's podcast network, Unpopular Opinion. You'll find Nick Weiger's podcast, Doughboys, and incredible additional dives into everything we talked about today. In particular, I recommend a show called 99% Invisible because their episode about Taiwanese trash collection was sort of the backbone of that bit of the show. It's, it's a really fascinating way to deal with waste and kind of a national security thing for them. So how about that? You'll also find a footnote about Dutch bicycle licenses because there are many cracked articles we're drawing from this week, and uh, one of them involves the system where they let people ride a bike in the first place. It makes drivers also better at knowing what cyclists do because they probably have bike licenses. They're in their heads. Just a better way to do traffic, folks. It's as easy as, well, it's, it's marginally more paperwork than riding a bike, but it's that easy. And then, of course, there are links in the bottom about live shows we have coming up. I have I, I don't know if I've ever been more excited about these. It's really great. And beyond that, the Budos Band provides our theme music. Their song Chicago Falcon brings us in and out. This episode was engineered by Jordan Duffy and edited by Chris Souza. If you love this episode, that's great. If you hated it, let me know about it on social media. That's right. Social media, a space that would theoretically make trading international ideas really, really easy and somehow we're only getting Russian bots. I don't know. We need we need more than just that. Like a second international idea would be pretty chill. My own Twitter, full of, uh, you know, ideas from all over, is at Alex Schmitty. My Instagram is at Alex Schmittstagram. I'm on the wider internet at my website, alexschmitty.com. Normally, I would say we'll be back next week with a new episode. We uh, are going to do a little bit of a holiday thing. And next week, that would be uh, December 31st. We're actually just going to wish you a happy new year and uh, let you know some extra exciting news about the show. And then the following week, we will be back with a new episode of the Cracked Podcast. So that's a programming note for you. Either way, thank you so much for listening and see you again soon. This has been an Earwolf production, executive produced by Scott Ackerman, Chris Bannon, and Colin Anderson. For more information and content, visit Earwolf.com. Earwolf.